welcome to another episode at home of Screen Hello. on the Spot. It's me and Justin today. We have a really cool guest coming up here soon, um, Sharon Lease, local director, filmmaker from uh, Kansas City, who is uh, finding a lot of success right now um, for her documentary called Transhood, which is on HBO Max. So she is going to be joining us here shortly. But first, Justin and I have a massive amount of movie news to get through. We're not even going to be able to talk about it all, but Disney had their investor meetings uh, last night, and I don't know, their social media manager was very busy just tweeting out link after link after link of awesome new shows and content that are coming, which is like our wheelhouse, because I don't, I mean... I, if you're us, you're excited about all the Marvel stuff. You're excited about all the new Star Wars stuff yeah. that's coming out. You're excited about some of those uh, sequels from old school movies that are coming out. Like it, it was just a pl- we both felt overwhelmed essentially. Yeah, my head hurt at the end. At the end of it, I, I was like, because every time I was like excited about one thing and trying to tell Casey about it, who doesn't care about most of it. Uh, yeah, Ryan doesn't there care. Something else. Yeah, there would be something else announced, and then I'm just like, I just like, I don't have time to process this stuff. It's too much. I'm, but I'm it, sure there I, are things that we both missed. Like, I mean, it was yeah. still going. I had to like stop following the thread for a little bit because I had other things yeah. to do last night. But man, like, I what what stood out to you most of things that you are most excited for? Uh, I whew, things that really stood out was mostly well, mostly of course the Star Wars and Marvel stuff, but even. Uh, the 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 Buzz Lightyear movie was kind of a was yes, with Chris was, Evans with Chris Evans as uh, the, well the character that inspires yes, the, the toy because we had uh, that question too we were like yeah. Buzz is a toy how how does he have a background but apparently right. Buzz is based on an That's actual awesome. space ranger yeah so I think that was the biggest as far as animated the in the animated world thing uh, but yeah like uh, uh, all these Mandalorian spinoffs which. We, we had kind of guessed on some of it, like Rosario Dawson popping up in Mandalorian. We were like, yeah. she'll probably get her own thing. We knew Diego Luna was going to be, you know, yeah. doing his character Cassian from Rogue One. And there's right. another show about that. Did, did we hear, do we know about the droid story one? I feel like I maybe heard rumors that there was going to be a C-3PO R2-D2 spinoff coming. It said that they were like, le- it was like those two leading another character or something. So it's yeah. like. Some something to that effect, but again, some of it is like I, it was so hard to absorb all of the information for a Lando series we're getting, and uh, which I think has been confirmed that that's going to be Donald Glover. Perfect, good coming back. So that is awesome. I love Donald. And then, um, of course, he's going to be busy because he's also doing another um, uh, n- n- new season of Atlanta. So yeah, yeah, he's a busy dude. <sighs> he is busy. Okay, uh-huh. and then and you had like random things like Chip and Dale, Chip with, and Dale. Um, <laughs> with John Mulaney and Andy Samberg doing the Incredible. voices of Chip and Dale. And I did watch the Rescue Rangers when I was a kid, but I can honestly say I was so little that I don't really remember it. I just remember loving it. But I, I didn't yeah. go into one of those adults that is still obsessed with that show. I just was a kid that was obsessed with that show. Yeah, that the same. Like I haven't rewatched any of that. Um, like there's a few of those old cartoons that I've wanted to introduce to um, Sadie, and sometimes I'll ask her and she'll say no. Yeah. <laughs> like Ducktales, I've wanted to uh, watch with her, especially because there's like a new version of it. But but she, she's not always. Yeah, those two actors, and it's such a great choice. It's pretty amazing. 
But again, like, is that something that I would be interested in watching? I mean, certainly I love John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, but I don't sure. know that I care enough about Chip and Dale as an adult to be obsessed with that. And, it, and then you've got like uh, Mighty Ducks, the new Mighty yeah. Ducks movie, which is right where that, the movies it, or the, the other movies left off. They said it picks right up there. Yeah, well, so that, that actually that's something that slipped by me. I just saw that, there were, that they had released a trailer yesterday. Oh, did they? I didn't uh, see that either. Yeah, so I guess it's a series, but it takes place, uh, I guess it's years later. It's like now the Mighty Ducks are the uh, the kid team that's like the dominating team. So uh, yeah. it's almost that's like it. the duck team is the bad guy. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, but Emilio They got, they got so good in the original movies that they started right. recruiting heavy getting like all the badass hockey kid players out there so yeah so it's it's kind of a nice flip on it um but Emilio Estevez being back is pretty cool yeah that's so cool I was pretty excited about uh the El Enchanted uh sequel Disenchanted Amy Adams is coming back people have been asking for years for a second movie for that because it's a pretty it's kind of became a cult classic after the release so and then we got the confirmation on um Hocus Pocus yeah that sequel so a lot of a lot of you know 80s and 90s movies Sister Act 3 Sister Act 3 yeah the third one um Three Men and a Baby with Zac Efron like (laughs) I just feel like they're they're taking a lot of these uh, old beloved yeah. movies and bringing them back. Yeah, agreed. Uh, then of course there was so much Marvel stuff; it was crazy. Like it just kept going. It was too like much. WandaVision trailer and Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then the Loki trailer, which they all look great. Um, I was very surprised to see Owen Wilson pop up in Loki. I, know. I don't know if that was like known or yeah, that was a surprise, yeah, I, but. I remember hearing about it, but definitely forgot. And then seeing him in it was really jarring because he's just not one of those actors that you would expect to pop up yeah. in the whole thing. And so um, that's pretty cool. I, the the series, the show looks bananas. So does WandaVision. But, uh, um, but yeah, and then of course, like, then it was like a lot of stuff was, um, you know, here we're getting, we're getting an Ant-Man 3 and we're getting, uh, we're getting this and we're getting that. Or the, yeah, just a lot. There are a lot. So much Ms. Marvel, Marvel, and then yeah. Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel 2. I gotta say, though, I was really impressed with the directors that they chose for a lot of these things. Um, yeah. I thought it was cool that I felt, felt like they had a lot of women, a lot of women of color. Um, yeah. So I feel like they are really trying to put, you know, minority faces on screen because yeah. it's been really bad in the last 50, 60 years. It's just yeah. an old generation of people who got, didn't get to see themselves presented on screen. And now it's like, I feel like Marvel and D- like Disney and Star, like the Star Wars, Star Wars universe are just trying to like, kind of make, make up for that a little bit. Cause yeah. uh, it seems like there's going to be a lot of really great diverse casts and crew yeah. coming to those shows, which I thought was awesome. Absolutely. And they, um, they, they finally announced like a Fantastic Four movie, which I'm really excited about just because I like Fantastic Four. That's one of the comics I read a lot as a kid. And then the movies have never been very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what... Um, and you told me it's the director that did all the Spider-Man films. Yeah, which, you know, I like those movies a lot. And I think it was just one of those things where it's like, well, they hired Mia DaCosta for uh, Captain Marvel 2, which is, I think, a really cool and inspired choice but then they just get well it felt like john watts was a really safe choice and i i think it's because i loved the like um 
the uh, the campaigning for John Krasinski to be Reed Richards, and mm-hmm. the idea of him directing it too would have been cool. Um, I like that. But, idea. but yeah, so I guess it was it was one of those things. Like it would have been cool to hear some like lesser known director get, sure. get an opportunity or whatever. But this, those Spider-Man movies are really good, and the tone that tone is perfect for Fantastic Four, so mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Um, so. And then I think the the thing that made me gasp was that Hayden Christensen Hayden Christensen was confirmed coming back as I guess he's Darth Vader now. I can't even yeah. say Anakin Skywalker. He's Darth Vader, and it's going to be him and Obi Wan, you and McGregor, yeah. reuniting Great. for this. Like it's going to take place after Revenge of the Sith. Like I think they said ten years. So Vader's newly bad, right. and Obi Wan. Yeah, like, I don't think that's, that timeline in the story has ever been told before. That's what I was going to say. Anywhere in Star Wars canon, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also really smart because, um, I mean, I think maybe people wanted, um, like, Darth Maul or something to come back, but I think having Darth Vader... um, just makes sense because of the connection between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, I think that's just, it just makes the most sense to me. And I'm, and I'm really excited. I was, I kept getting myself confused about the timeline. And part of that is because we have the Mandalorian going on now. Um, so like my wife was asking, she was confused about something. And then I was talking through it and I was like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. This timeline is it's just because there's, we're all over the place on the movies and the, the series now, but Right, but it's all of the new trilogy happened 30 years after Revenge of the Sith. So that's like all the Daisy Ridley Ray stuff was 30 years. And then Mandalorian was 50, is that right? Mandalorian is just a few years after Return of the Jedi, or right after Return of the Jedi. Man, yeah, now, see, like I said, I I get myself confused. I'm sure it's less complicated than I'm making it out in my brain, but... yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Good for Disney. I love that too. It's really, yeah, it's pretty, a lot of, a lot of overwhelming things are happening, but some of those are worth mentioning. So we had to do that. And then uh, they did confirm that the new Spider-Man movie was going to have Tobey Maguire, maybe Chris, Kirsten Dunst, maybe Emma Stone returning, but definitely Andrew Garfield and Tobey Tobey Maguire. And that's going to be a multiverse, which is also going to tie into Dr. Strange's multiverse movie. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was either, I think, Doctor Strange is leading into that or vice versa. But yeah, that is, that is bonkers. And it uh, was something that people were wondering about because, you know, Jamie Foxx was going to be coming back as Electro. Um, he was in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. And then they announced that Alfred Molina from, who, from uh, Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. was going to come back as Doctor Strange. So, of course, that was, everybody was like, okay, uh-huh. like, something's up yeah. here. But it was like later that day. It was like, didn't even take very long. But they were like, by the way, Tobey Maguire and Garfield are in talks. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And funny enough, the thing I'm most excited about is Daredevil. They're saying Daredevil is going to be in it. And uh, it'll be the actor from the Daredevil series. Oh, weird. Which is exciting. going to say uh, Ben Affleck? <laughs> No, yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious. But I guess hey, they could do it with this multiverse. What's that man doing? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. It, part of me thinks like there's, there's a lot going on here. It's too much. But I guess the event, the last couple of Avengers movies were the same way. There was a lot going on, and those, and those handled it well. I've just been enjoying all of the like jokes about it on Twitter. Like somebody saying, "Am I in this movie?" And yeah. 
somebody saying, I wonder when they'll announce that Tom Holland is in it. And, you know, just all these, it's just so much going on, but I'm, I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I do kind of feel like it is a little sad that maybe Tom Holland's getting a little bit overshadowed by all this. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't really had a chance to shine as Spider-Man. There was always like something else happening. Yeah. Like he's, they've relied really heavily on the Avengers movies and the Spider-Man movies, like Tony yeah. being a big part of it. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like now he has his chance to be his own dude, but, <laughs> but they're going to bring back all this old Spider-Man. Back but to really like, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't really like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies very much, but I like Andrew Garfield, so hopefully they'll do something cool. Plus, so Emma Stone's character dies in Amazing Spider-Man 2, and obviously that means nothing. But, you know, there is a version of Spider-Man where Gwen Stacy lives and becomes Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen. And so I kept thinking, like, ooh, maybe Marvel will let Emma Stone just have her own thing and lead into that somehow. That would be cool. Yeah. All right, other major news was this HBO Max um, releasing their films for 2021 on their streaming service. Yeah, all of the big, all these big WB Warner Brothers movies. It's been very very controversial. When I first saw it, I was excited. I was like, "That's this is cool. I'm going to get to see all these movies, you know, safely from home. Um, because even with, a, a, I guess, a vaccine on the way, it's still going to be quite a while before we get it or a while before things really go back to normal. So, but, uh, but also it is a pretty big bummer for movie theaters, the ones that are open, the ones that will open. Um, but uh, movies like Dune, well, like Dune, I think is next December even. So it's just kind of crazy how far in advance they're thinking, but mm. yeah, Dune and the Suicide Squad and um, obviously Wonder Woman, just all these big movies um, going straight to HBO Max. Also, some of the guidelines are funky. Like, I guess it'll only be on HBO Max for 30 days, and then it's going to leave the service, but will still be in theaters. Which I think they said that was a favor to theaters, but it doesn't seem that way to me because people are going to be able to watch it for free for, or not free, but for right. as much as they want for 30 days. So why would you watch it at home and then go for, I mean, right. if you, yeah. I mean, I guess I could see if people don't have HBO Max, like, I'm not going to get HBO Max just to watch this movie. They'll just wait to see sure. it in the theater. Sure. Um, I have actually just been reading all these, you know, big directors coming out against it, um, which, I don't know. I, I guess Warner Brothers has to do what they got to do, right? I imagine 2021 is still going to be a really tough year for studios. And at this, I don't know that this is necessarily, it could change, you know? Like, I, I'm guessing if things are kind of back to normal by the summer, they may just be like, okay, never mind. Sure. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. And they say that they say that it's only for this year. It's like a temporary thing. But a part of me also thinks, like, that could not be true either. Maybe it's a really big success and they think, okay, well, we're just going to make this a thing now. So it's sort of, I can see why people are afraid of it and why people are angry. I'm sure a lot of it comes down to some of these directors maybe being frustrated because of like, you know, box office gross money that they were going to get and now they're not. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. I think it's it's one of those things. We're, we're in a tough time. Um, I don't guess, I can't expect them to hold all these movies another year and just right. not release anything. So selfishly i'm excited to see it and you have hbo max now and I, I have hbo max now so yeah i'm one of the people who will just watch it 
comfortably at home, I guess. Well, speaking of HBO Max, um, there is a really good documentary, which I have seen. And if you're here in Kansas City, I think everybody needs to check it out. It's called Transhood. Um, it takes place here in KC. It follows uh, four transgender children um, in five years. So it's kind of like in a boyhood style. If you saw boyhood, they start, you know, five years ago and kind of follow their uh, journey um, for five years and the director is local. Her name is Sharon Lease, and she's, you know, award-winning award -winning filmmaker right here in Kansas City. She's um, done a few other documentaries. She did The Nomist. She did um, High School Confidential, which followed some local Kansas City high school girls and their, um, I think it was Blue Valley, right, Justin? Is that Yeah. Right? Yeah, Blue Valley, their experience of Blue Valley. So uh, we were able to talk to her and a uh, really awesome conversation. So enjoy our conversation with Sharon Lease. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. We're super excited. So I actually had the chance to talk to you a couple weeks ago, um, but uh, now Justin's joining us and he's got some brand new questions for you. Yeah, also, hi. Um, Wanted to talk to you not just about uh, your new film Transhood that is on HBO Max right now, but you know, kind of just your career in general as well. So, I think that's a good starting off point if you just kind of want to like walk us through all of the things that you do. All the things that I do. Wow. Um, well, I um, manage as people who are not from uh, Kansas City kind of wonder how you can do it, but I managed to have a production company in um, Overland Park, Kansas, where I'm able to do films and television series um, that takes me throughout the country, um, but I also try to focus on stories that I can tell right from here. So um, it's really fun, and I love it, and I think that during COVID now, people are kind of realizing how much you can do virtually, and um, I do feel like I've kind of been doing that all along. So, uh, so that's really interesting. And you've, you've had a very long career. I actually know a little bit about first learned about you from our friend, Crystal Lampett, who was in, uh, one of your, I, is it, a, was it a doc, reality show documentary? I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to describe it. Was a, it, it, it was, it was an eight part documentary series okay. that aired on WeTV and where it was called high school confidential that I, yeah. and I filmed, uh, 12 girls that went to Blue Valley Northwest High School um, all throughout their high school years for four, for four years. So 12 girls from freshman to senior year documentary. Yeah. Was that one of your first projects or has that, you know, just been one of many kind of talk, talk to us a little bit about where you got your start and, you know, how long you've been doing filmmaking here in, in the area. So High School Confidential was my first foray into filmmaking, and um, it was um, it was probably about twelve years ago, and uh, or maybe longer. <laughs> but um, my daughter was going into high school, and um, I was kind of looking through things to prepare myself for a mom of a of a teenager in, in high school, and realized that there wasn't there wasn't the enough information or the right kind of information for me. Um, so um, 
having been in marketing and communication and, and dabbled in video production, I thought, well, it would be really interesting to do a documentary following these girls. And I established my company called Her Rise in Productions, focused on, on female her. And, um, and then I uh, did a kind of a casting call um, at Blue Valley Northwest and um, like about 40 40 girls were really, were really interested. And then um, we moved on to, um, to kind of a final uh, list of, of 14 young girls. And, uh, and it was great that they, they stuck with it. They and their, and their family stuck with it. I mean, we all kind of didn't know where it was going at first. I look at my letter now to them and it was like, you, well, this might end up on PBS or it might end up on HBO. It ended up on WeTV, but, um, but everyone was sort of shocked that it really found air. Because I, I went out to LA with a big box of tape and got an agent and then started pitching it and I had uh, three offers right away. So it was wow. a real Cinderella story. Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, were, did you know how to pitch a TV show prior to going out there? Or is that just something that you just kind of decided I'm going to learn as I go? Or did somebody kind of guide you in that? Um, very self-taught. Um, I mean, I've always, I was in marketing and communications and I had a marketing company. So, um, so pitching wasn't necessarily new to me. Um, and, you know, dealing with creative concepts, but certainly pitching a television series um, was very new to me and, and, and just learning the ropes of finding an agent and getting the agent to be committed to the project. And, and he's still my agent today. And now he, he's with ICM. So, um, you know, all that was all new territory. And I remember that because we first got an offer from MTV and I remember being in New York City pitching it on like the 45th floor down in Times Square. And uh, it was really what they call bought in the room. And um, and and they said, once we pitched it, they said, well, we really want to do this. And I remember looking out the window thinking, am I going to faint? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and, and then I also then realized subsequently that it's not that easy. So not that easy that your first time out to get, to get something like that, um, sold. And then also it's just not easy. Most, most shows and most projects don't sell. So you have to have an abundant amount of ideas and always be pitching. What other projects um, have you worked on in between? So your first, which was High School Confidential and now Transhood. So what other projects are in between that? Um, so I've done a lot of show running, executive producing for other people's projects. Um, and so I've had things on Lifetime, uh, Discovery ID. Um, I did pitch and uh, sold a, a show for Discovery ID called Hooker Saved on the Strip, which was in Las Vegas. And it was a three-part documentary series uh, where we followed uh, women who were getting out of prostitution. Yeah. Um, and then I did a film that I, um, that I just still was, is, will always be one of my favorite projects and it's called the Nomist, G-N-O-M-I-S-T. And um, that I, it was a short that um, I filmed in the Kansas City area. And um, it premiered at Tribeca Film Festival where it was picked up by CNN Films and it's had like 60 million views online through their great big story platform. Um, so that was really, that really meant a lot to me. And then about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I had a a series um, that I co-created uh, 
with John Kroll, um, a frequent collaborator in LA, and he we we pitched a show and and did an eight uh, eight episode series called Pink Collar Crimes uh, that aired on that aired on CBS, and we were able to do one episode um, in Kansas City, and then the rest were throughout throughout the country. So um, just a lot of varied different kind of projects. That's really great because it seems like your interests are, you know, kind of, you know, wide. You have, you know, from high schoolers to uh, now the, the transgender community. Like, I just, I think it's pretty amazing that you're able to kind of just go with different things. There's not just one area of focus. You have what seems like a lot of interests and it's neat that you've been able to make a career out of that. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I love, I love what I do and, um, and, you know, having, Transhood um, come out now on on HBO has really been um, spectacular. I mean, I just I and what I really love about Transhood is um, it kind of takes a lot of all the things that I want to do with my filmmaking. It's it's not only um, where I can tell powerful stories because I have powerful characters, but it has the, it has the potential to change heart hearts and minds. And I think people, I've, I, what, I've gotten a lot of um, feedback from people that they, you know, just really learned something that they never knew before um, in seeing, in seeing transit and being introduced it to kids and families that people might never have, you know, that they don't have an opportunity to meet. I mean, not everybody knowingly uh, will meet a transgender person, let alone a, a transgender kid. Um, and that helps to build empathy and understanding. And, um, you know, when people see those protections for those kids being jeopardized, uh, they have more of a reason to, you know, um, fight it and, and stand up for those kids. You want to ask about transhood. How, so how did the project or the idea come to you and why did you want to explore it? Well, I'm always looking for stories that I can do in the Kansas City area, and I do love telling stories about kids and coming-of-age stories. And um, my husband, who's a lawyer, actually had a meeting at the Transgender Institute um, and came home and told me that this uh, Transgender Institute was uh, here in Kansas City, and that was right in 2013. And I was really um, delighted to learn that there were that those kind of resources available to the trans community in Kansas City. And so I contacted them um, and they were really welcoming and opening and um, invited me to come to some support groups. And I went to the support groups and I met some of the kids and I met some of the families and, um, and there were several who were interested in telling their stories. And these are people who are not interested in telling their stories because, because they want fame these are people who really understand that if they tell their story, that it could change lives. And that is very, that's really attractive and appealing to me. That's great. I was going to ask how you found the, uh, the kids you wanted to, to whose stories you wanted to tell. Um, I guess what, what about these four kids in particular made you want to tell their story? Yeah, that's a good question because what was important to me in telling these stories and what I learned over the course of, of telling these stories is that, um, is that every trans, every transgender journey is different 
and that it's not the same story. And so I thought it would be really important to tell stories at different points in time in, in on the childhood spectrum. So we have a, we had kids starting at age four, seven, 12, and 15. And then at the end of the film, they're five years older. But at those different milestones, there are different things that kids go through. So, um, so it was really important to tell, tell stories from, from different age perspectives. So that was, that was important. It was also developing relationships with the families, making sure that um, they could trust me and understand that I was telling a story that would be, that would be authentic and would really honor the journey that they were on. So, um, so that was sort of, there was a lot of communication with the families before, before we got started. We did have one additional family um, for about a month or two who were interested and we sort of filmed with them a little bit, but then um, they decided not to be part of it. So, you know, it was really important that people wanted to do and were fully into telling the stories because we were investing in several years. Have they seen the, uh, the, the final product and how, how they, what's their response been so far? Uh, they all have seen it. And uh, I can say that it's been really, it's been a really positive experience for them because um, it's really, um, it's so wonderful to watch subjects see how and feel empowered by the, how powerful their stories are. And so they're all getting, um, you know, messages and either through me or Facebook or social media about how, um, how these stories are changing their lives. Um, so that's really great. Um, it's also, um, it's been difficult though, be- during the pandemic, because typically I will bring my subjects to film festivals and, you know, we had a, our, we premiered at Hot Docs in Toronto and it was virtual. So um, they did some Q and A's and um, they've all gotten very, very good at, at speaking. And it's been great to watch that, but it's really unfortunate that they don't get to see a thousand people in an audience giving them a standing ovation, which I know they would have gotten because, you know, they were so courageous to to tell their stories. Yeah. Very brave. Absolutely. I think you, you might've answered this a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask anyways, what's something that you learned uh, while making the documentary? Well, I always learn things when I'm, when I'm filming um, any, any subject. Um, but I would say that with transit, I learned so many more things than than a typical documentary that I that I've done. Um, and one of the things I learned was um, how important it is to be a good ally, and that um, it's tricky to tell a story that you don't have um, lived experience at the. Uh, same as the community that you're that you're filming and so that you really need to be um, diligent in in being a good ally and being really supportive and seeking out people to um, to help you with that so we had um, there were other there were some people from the transgender community in Kansas City that would look at cuts I had an EP filmmaker who's transgender and it's just really um, I really learned a lot about how important it is to get feedback um, when you're telling when you're telling stories like this. And uh, one of the things that I think I asked you before in our previous conversation was, you know, do you think that there's more stories that you want to tell about the transgender community? Uh, there are 
a ton of stories I would love to tell about the transgender community. And I'm not sure if I'm the one to tell, to tell those stories. Um, but I would certainly want to be part of, yeah. of telling those stories. Um, there's a lot of things with, um, with, uh, legislators, um, you know, who are, um, who've been, um, like in state legislature and, um, in government in general, um, where transgender people are now become taking, are being elected to those posts. And I think that those are, those would be fascinating stories to follow. Yeah, and I ask because I really do feel very invested in the lives of these kids now. You know, it's like you want to mm -hmm. kind of follow what's going on with them because uh, it was such a pivotal moment in all of their lives, um, the, the five years that you were following them. So it's, it's just, I'm sure all the viewers who've seen the film want to know more. So I could definitely see a, a whole other film on you know the next five years of their lives. I didn't know if that was something that you had thought of or were wanting to pursue, or if you had other projects in mind that you are hoping to do in the next couple of years. Well, that's uh, certainly a possibility, you know, and it, it uh, we're all kind of uh, taking uh, taking a breath and and uh, and seeing if that's something that we want to do. But I definitely, you're not the first person to ask me about that. Because people, especially in screenings, we would see that people just loved being with these kids. Like mm -hmm. they're like, I just want to spend more time with them. So, um, and then I think to see what evolves for them over the next five years would, would be um, really rewarding as well. I agree. So what's next for you? What are you working on now? Or what's the, you know, soonest thing coming from you? Well, I am working on a film um, right now that uh, the working title is called The Flag Makers. And um, it takes, um, it's in, uh, the, the flag factory is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, they make 5 million American flags a year. And most of their employees are refugees um, and immigrants. So it's a really, um, I mean, it is really rich with story and very relevant right now. So um, we are about 80% um, through of principal photography, and we're going to start editing um, pretty soon next year. Sharon, that's fascinating. Where did you find a story like that? I mean, it, I imagine that sometimes it's hard finding story ideas that, you know, aren't even taking place here. So how did, how did that one come about? Well, it's interesting because the story actually originated in Kansas City. Really? There's a there's an organization called a program called Rightfully Sown. Yes, I've heard in, of that. Yeah. Yeah, in Kansas City and I have filmed with them. And um and we and some of their um some of the people who go through their training program end up and at uh making flags and sewing flags, American flags. So, um I was kind of pursuing that and uh, couldn't get the access that I wanted to in Kansas City to a um, flag company. So, but really got committed and excited about the idea. So started looking around to see if there was another flag factory that had immigrants and refugees and lo and behold, there, there it was in Milwaukee. So um, we talked to them and got access and it was, and we've been filming for uh, about a year and a half now. If it, is Milwaukee, is it, the, is it a big Somalian population is, or is it Middle Eastern? Uh, it's, there's a lot of um, Serbian. Um, there's also Middle Eastern. Um, 
and um, Mexican and um, it's a it's a wide variety. It's really amazing. It's a it's a true melting pot. Yes, that's fascinating. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, so we can't let you go without asking you probably our toughest question, which is your top five favorite movies. We um, know wow. that it could be a struggle for people to come up with five. Um, oh my and gosh! That probably is... an ever changing list for you, as it is for most of the people that we talk to. So, have you been able to come up with that list? And I didn't, did you say that in your email to me? I did. I, that's okay. You did. Oh you my can, gosh! I would have written them all. You down. can do it off the cuff if you need to. It doesn't have to be um, official list at all. But what what are five movies that you know you absolutely love? Oh my gosh. I, I think I'm going to have to have you call me back for that. <laughs> it's tough. It is, I told you it was the hardest question. It's like a window yeah. into somebody's soul at some point. If, if you, because there's, we've discovered that there's a different list. There's the movies that you love that you just watch over and over again that may be kind of more in your comfort, like it's a comforting yeah, movie, I, but that's what might I, I need, yeah, I need be the that's, best that's film, a, you know? Yeah, that's a big question because there are definitely those. Mm -hmm. I, and then I have documentary versus scripted. Yeah. So um, let me think about that. <laughs> it's really important to, to say. So. It's it is tough. It's a, that's why I, we usually try to give everybody a heads up on that because it's like okay, I have to think about this for a little bit. Should we pause and give you like thirty seconds? Yeah, if you it? give me thirty seconds. Okay, that'd be great. okay, you have thirty seconds. <laughs> Sometimes I forget how tough it is because my top three never change, and my but but even I have some like go to. For the other, for the other two spots. Uh, so I don't even I remember like, what mine are. I don't remember what yeah. mine were when we first. I'd have to go back. I don't even remember what episode we did that on. Yeah, I don't remember, and I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember what yours. I think you had. I think I remember a couple of yours in there. Like you might have had La La Land in there. I think I had Drive. Drive, I think was in there. Um, but yeah, sometimes I forget that people aren't as crazy as I am, and I and don't think about it all the time. But I think about it and I think of top five, like, these are my top five superhero movies and these are my top, like, for example, Nathan and I, this is how nerdy we are. We've, he's like challenged me and I think I've challenged him a couple of times. He's, he's challenged me for like decades. Like, what's your top 10 of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s? And that's been fun, but it's also very insane. It's stressful. Yeah. Did you come up with some, Sharon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay just need, I needed a second. Okay. All right. Without further ado, Sharon's top five favorite movies. Okay. Jackie Brown is oh, my number great. one. And uh, for documentary, Citizen Four. Okay. And uh, Mad Hat Ballroom, which was really an inspiration for me getting into documentary filmmaking. And then uh, Broadcast News. Oh, love and that. I when that. I really, one I do watch multiple times is When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> Those are so good. Was broadcast news, were you ever in TV at all? A little bit when I was uh, interning, um, yeah, in college. But I just love that because I love Holly Hunter's character oh, so in that. Great. Yeah. And Harry Met Sally is classic. I definitely, that's one that if I see it on TV, I have to stop no matter where it is in the movie and just watch where it is. <laughs> right. And say the lines yeah. along with them. I know. <laughs> yeah. Carrie Fisher was also really great in that. Yeah. People yeah. forget she was in that movie. That's right. All yeah. right. Well, that's a great list. Um, I have not seen the Citizen Four. Is that the one that you said was the documentary? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard. What's that one about? It's it's uh, it's about Edward 
Edward Snowden. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So it's really good. It, and it, um, I think about five years ago might have won the Academy Award for that feature doc. That is. It's coming yeah, up. Yeah, it's great. Now. I'll have to check yeah. that one out. Well, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us. It's yeah, thank you. Thank you.